0: Vengo a ustedes en el nombre del Padre, del Hijo y del Espíritu Santo. Amén. Please be seated, my friends. I won't do the whole sermon in Spanish so that you can actually understand a little bit of it. Uh, um, so my name is Lorenzo Labrija. I am the founding director of the Tritech, the experimental laboratory for church growth and innovation. For those of you who want to talk to me about that work, I will be happy to do so at the Welcome Center right after today's service. We can go over there and have some coffee, and I'll tell you all about the 42 experiments we currently have going on in 62 congregations in 21 states. Which means I travel a lot, which is why this sermon was first written on a plane (laughs) a couple of weeks ago, but (laughs) worry not beyond the long flight home, I actually did go back and and make sure that it was what I wanted to share with you on this day. And even though Joe invited me to tell you all about Guadalupe, and I'll be happy to do so also at the Welcome Center, I encourage you to look at that story. I want to talk to you about the importance of that story. Why is this day important? Why does this day matter? I mean, after all, This day marks something very important to us. It is the first time that a non-European white woman was the way we saw Mary. This was the first time that a woman of color was how God came to be with people, how God's revelation happened to a particular people, in a particular time. And you might be saying to yourself, and is it, it's a good question to ask, well, why is that important? If God is God, then what does it matter how God looks? Why does it matter if God is being revealed through a person of color? The philosopher John Taylor says that we are narrative animals. He says, we defined who we are and what we ought to be on the basis of what story we see ourselves in. So God, through Guadalupe, gave agency to people of color. That's why this day matters. That's why when we feel like, why don't we need to add something else to our calendar? Because this is the time when people who were marginalized, when people who were pushed aside, were told, You too are in God's story. You are God's story. And that is worthy of celebration. So then I would ask you, Why is this day important to the Episcopal Church? We can see why it's important to the greater church, but why is it important perhaps to the Episcopal Church? Well, Here's the thing. We claim to be inclusive. We say the Episcopal Church welcomes you. We even say it in Spanish. La Iglesia Episcopal le da la bienvenida. But how are we on that scale? If you were to look at our budget, which is a way that we sometimes determine how inclusive or how we, where our priorities really are, If you were to look at the budget of the National Church, I'm sorry, the Church Center, we don't call it the National Church, you would see that the percentage that we spend towards Latino and ethnic ministries is a dismal amount, about 3 million out of 138 million. The number of our congregations that offer services in Spanish is about 358 out of some 7,000 churches. How inclusive are we, if we look at those numbers? Now, yes, I know that there are many of us who are well-meaning, and we say, we say yes, we are inclusive, and we are willing to make a space at the table for people of color. We welcome them to our table, but I would challenge that and say that's a very European way of saying We make room at the table means I am moving over a little bit, so you better be thankful to me for moving over a little bit to let you share of my space of the table. Jesus, that's not the example he gave us. I am, the more I I live into my relationship with Jesus, the more I think that there is a reason why Jesus was a carpenter. Jesus, the carpenter, would be like, Yay, we have someone new. Let's tear down this table and build a new one that fully includes the new person at the table so that no one feels like I am giving you of my own to be at this table, so you need to be thankful to me. And by the way, when I let you be at the table in the room that I made for you at the table, you better sort of be like I am at the table because you're kind of my guest at this point. So I need you to act in a certain way. Jesus says no. Let's, let's tear this table down and let us build a new one. Let us build a new table where everyone has a place because that is how the table was made and where everyone and everyone's contributions to that table are honored. The European model that we've always had and that we espouse, right? We say it, I've said it. We need, Who are we bringing to the table in Jesus's way that says, let's rebuild the table. So, if that is how God does it, by bringing someone like Guadalupe to say, let's rewrite the narrative, and Jesus saying, let's redo the table, what would it look like? And I love asking that question. I lead an experimental laboratory, so we ask what if a lot. That is pretty much the foundation for all the work we do. So, what might it look like if we really were to rewrite the narrative, if we really were to redo the table, to be as inclusive as I really think we want to be. It's not that we're, we're being false in this. We really want to be inclusive. I just think that we sometimes miss the mark because we don't know the different narrative. So what if we actually dedicated resources toward being inclusive? What if we had an effort in our church to go out and start and plant 100 new missional communities for the Latino congregations in this country. And this was a national effort. And each year we started 100 new missional communities. You can do that with 10 people, by the way. I'm not talking about a building with a priest inside, I'm talking about one person that can start 10 missional communities that meet in a bar, that meet in el barrio, that meet wherever they wanna meet, but they're still bringing people to be disciples of Jesus. Because Matthew 25 only says, go out and make disciples. The second part is, and and make sure they come to church on Sunday morning. That is not there. (laughs) So if we are making disciples, then we go out and we meet people where they are. So what if we did that? And then in 10 years, we would have a 1,000 new communities. And maybe each one of them has 15, 20 people. That's great. They're little house churches. Then all of a sudden, you have 15,000, 20 new members of the Episcopal Church in 10 years. And you say, well, that's just ridiculous, Lawrence. How much is that going to cost to start 100 new congregations a year for 10 years, 1,000 new missional communities? How much is that going to cost, you might ask? How about a million dollars a year? And then year two, it'll be 2 million. And then by the end, by year 10, because a lot of these communities will not be self-sufficient, they'll bring some money in, but they won't be self-sufficient, but we would be investing a total of $10 million a year by having 1,000 new missional communities. And in case you're wondering, $10 million a year is about 6% of the church budget. Are we not willing to spend 6% to grow our church by 20,000 members and start new missional communities? Or is that not one of our priorities? And if it's not, then let's go ahead and say it. That's what it means to redraw the narrative and to redo the table of God. We are really limited only by our missional imagination. That's the only thing that is limiting us. And if we really believe what it is we preach about inclusiveness, then perhaps we need to think about it differently. God through Guadalupe has already shown us that we can remake the table The question for us really is, will we follow? Amen.